as we know, eye drops are sterile, ear drops are not. So that's why a lot of times if there's a shortage on ear drops, but eye drops are available, the doctor will prescribe eye drops to be used in the ear. That is totally okay, as long as that's communicated to the patient, the doctor and so forth following protocol. But you can't go the other way because eardrops are not sterile. So that's why it's really important to ensure that the directions and the medication are correct. What is up Fit Farm fam? Welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. My name is Dr. Adam Martin. I am a practicing pharmacist, nutrition consultant, author, and lover of living life to the fullest. Each episode on the podcast, I will dispense to you an innovator and expert in the world of healthcare so they can share their story, their struggles, and best practice tips to empower you to nail your nutrition, master your mindset, fit in fitness, and take your level of impact to the next level with simple solutions for how to live with passion and purpose. Thank you for spending your time with me today. Now let's discuss how to dispense your full potential. The number one fear of every new pharmacist graduate is making a mistake. Unfortunately, the reality is that you're going to make them. However, you can learn from common mistakes that have been made so that you don't find yourself making them. That's what I'm here to do today is to share with you 13 of the most common mistakes made by new community pharmacists so that you're aware of them and can avoid them when you are in practice out working the bench. So guys, let's dive into it. These are mistakes that I have seen potentially happen, heard of from my colleagues, and things that are easy to prevent but if you're not aware of them, they can easily creep into your workflow. So let's dive right into them. The first mistake is might sound like a simple one, but it can be very detrimental. And that is with verification, having the wrong patient selected. Um, what I mean by this is always make sure when you're checking a prescription that you're looking at both the first name, last name, and date of birth. All three at the bare minimum to ensure safety that the medication is going to the intended patient. Um, some things that I've seen is the first and last name are identical, but the date of birth differs. And if you're in a rush going through that and you don't look at the date of birth, that can be potentially dangerous. Um, another thing is if you're looking at just the date of birth, the date of births might match, but the name might be completely different. Whereas the medication was intended for Jane Doe, but you have Joe Smith who was given it because the pharmacist was only looking at the date of birth. You can definitely look at other things like telephone number and patient address, but at the bare minimum, always ensure first name, last name, and date of birth are always checked against the hard copy prescription and the prescription that you're verifying to ensure safety and patient quality for that prescription. Um, a second thing is wrong medication. Uh, whether it's tablets or capsules, you always want to make sure that you're looking at every single medication that you were about to verify and dispense to the patient. Um, I know a lot of pharmacies now have protocols in place. One of the larger chains has a verification tray that's a requirement for all pharmacists for every prescription verified, such that you dump the vial with all medication, 
to ensure that everything in there is uniform and the intended medication. Um, the reason I point this out is a lot of times when you're counting, especially if you're a high volume store, um, tablets can come flying off the pill tray, especially those roly polies like the benzonitate that just kind of have a mind of their own and go where they want, right? Um, those can, you know, roll on the floor or what can also happen is if you have a prescription vial carousel around the production area, that can fall into that bin. And sometimes it doesn't just go to the bottom of the bin, it goes into a prescription vial unknowingly. And then if the technician grabs it, fills the medication in the vial, doesn't see that, and you verify it without looking, the patient could potentially get that wrong medication. Guys, I know this sounds like a kind of freak accident that could happen, but I have seen this occur and caught this dozens of times. So just be sure that you really look at every single pill, every single capsule in the medication vial when you're verifying it to ensure optimal safety and that the right patient is getting the right intended prescribed medication. Uh, number three has to do with quality control in regards to refrigeration requirements. Now, I know that some medications that are refrigerated are really for improve, improving the length of the shelf life. However, some medications are extremely volatile if they are not stored appropriately, uh, meaning that they're damaged and, and not able to be used if they're uh, kept or stored in outside of the intended medication range uh, to a severe degree. So one example that I actually caught uh, a few years back is the gel Picado, um, which is really strict actually. And I only found this out because I was double checking. Um, so whenever I was coming back from vacation, there was a floater pharmacist um, that had worked the previous days. And uh, the patient was picking up Picado and we were looking in the fridge but couldn't find it so then they looked in the prescription waiting bins in room temperature and that's where it was. I saw that it was verified two days ago by the floater and I wasn't too familiar with the medication so I looked into it um, and ended up actually calling the manufacturer just to be absolutely sure that the uh, storage requirements were appropriate. Uh, turns out this medication must be in the intended refrigerated uh, designated temperature range for no out and in that not outside of that range for no more than two hours so imagine how fast uh time flies when you're working at club pharmacy and you've got all that volume two hours can go like that right and obviously it was two days so we had to damage that medication it's not cheap it's very expensive um, so one, uh, for safety for the patient, but two, just as a, an inventory perspective from the business as a profit loss type deal, that can have a profound impact if you're not being adherent to those guidelines. So always make sure that you're checking up on that medication. If you do find that it was mistakenly put outside of the refrigerator when it's intended to be refrigerated, always do your due diligence to check into that because you might just be surprised like I was to find out that it actually is extremely important to have it in that range all the time two-hour window and we had to damage that and it was a little expensive. So something to keep in mind, always check the refrigeration requirements. Um, multiple containers for one medication, error number four. So a lot of times, as we see now, a lot of insurances are pushing for 90-day supplies. So with that, especially with inhalers or birth control packs, you get three units for a prescription fill. So for 90 days, you'll have a quantity of 180 for three Advair discus, or for birth control, you'll have most, most commonly number 84 for three packs 
of a 28-tablet birth control. Now, I've seen this happen a lot too, where it's billed for three months, but only one is put in the bag. Um, this happens very frequently. There are checks and balances to help prevent this and workflow at a lot of pharmacies, but this is still something that happens. Uh, we definitely want the patients to get the medication that they pay for, but it also will really be a great customer service tool to prevent any potential upset for a patient that paid for three months, only got one, and they might live far away from the pharmacy or have a very hectic work schedule. So for them to have to go out of their way to come back, you can just see how that can kind of wreak havoc, uh, not only potentially for their compliance the medication, but also from a customer service perspective. So always keep that in mind, double checking the quantity, making sure that what is prescribed and billed is the same as in the bag, particularly three month versus one month supplies. Um, calculations for quantities is also getting a little bit more intricate. Um, for example, Ozempic is a medication that can be a little tricky depending on how your pharmacy system indicates a box or the strength that changes. Um, also, things like Victoza, if it's a three-pen box or a two-pen box, you always want to check every single individual package to make sure that it's correct, that it's billed correctly, so that the patient can get what they were prescribed. Uh, number five, I mentioned this, uh, birth controls with regards to quantity. However, you always want to make sure that they are the same. Case in point is Junel, or some people like to call it Junel fee, which is the iron addition to that. Um, a lot of times you might have three packs of Junel, but they're right on the shelf next to each other, right? So I've caught this a few times where two packs are correct because the prescription was written for Junel FE, but the third pack that was labeled with that order was just plain Junel or a different strength. So always make sure that you're checking to make sure that if there's multiple units in an order, each one is what it's supposed to be. I know this might sound simple, but you'd be amazed at how many times I've caught this uh, in my time as a community pharmacist. Uh, number six, and real quick, with birth control while I'm on that topic, um, substitutions, so kind of like Synthroid, Synthroid versus Levothyroxine being a narrow therapeutic index or narrow TI medication, um, you might be aware that that's a big deal. I want to also make sure you're aware that hormones as that is as well, with birth control are also very sensitive to many women patients. Uh, so if you get a medication like a birth control and you're filling it and it's a generic or a brand name or something like that, always check the fill history for the patient preference. Um, this will alleviate so much issue if you do this simple step. So if you're checking a birth control, just check the patient profile history and make sure it's the same brand, the same generic, because a lot of women are extremely sensitive to any changes, even if they're exactly the same AB rated. Uh, they can be really sensitive to those. So just ensure that what you're checking matches their preference and their fill history. And if it doesn't, make a note, make a notation or flag that at pickup so that you can interact with the patient to clarify if it was an intended change or there was some sort of miscommunication or mistransmission, which happens all too often with the electronic prescribing system, especially at a doctor's office when they have a new hire that's not too familiar with it. So a big thing with birth control, definitely a medication that should set off lots of red flags in your mind to double check these specific areas. So going into step number six, or the sixth mistake that is commonly uh, a fault of new pharmacist graduates is uh, counseling. So 
a lot, ideally you want to talk to the patient then and there, or if they're not there, call them. But as you know, being realistic in pharmacy world, that might not always be possible at that time. However, counseling is absolutely critical to ensure safety and the best medication that is prescribed is given to the patient. If there's any inconsistency or slight sense of doubt, be sure that you counsel that patient. Um, one thing that I used to do is I had uh, yellow sticky notes and I would write C pharmacist and staple it over the barcode so that literally if someone was going to scan it, they could not scan it because that note was over the barcode. I know a lot of pharmacy systems now have a hard stop in place so that even if they scan that at the register, there's a block or pop-up that comes up. So the pharmacist must come over, enter their credentials to ensure appropriate counseling is provided to that patient. That's absolutely awesome. I'm so glad that that has been implemented in so many pharmacies. Um, I, that prevents a lot of issues, uh, but you can also use this note method that, that I've used um, since I was an intern, actually, and it's really been amazing at uh, communicating things that are important to the patient, whether that's, are you changing from generic to brand? Is this a dose change? Um, are you doing a different birth control back to that? Um, or if you're moving, like let's say someone always gets metformin ER, but you get a script for metformin plain, most often it's a mistake by the doctor. Um, they just, the drop down on electronic prescriber or the, the nurse staff that was doing that. Um, so most often it's an inadvertent mistake. So communicating that, if, again, if you can't talk to the patient then or call them on the phone, have some sort of hard stop in place so you can ensure that before the medication leaves the pharmacy so that you get that clarified, notate that in the patient profile. So if it happens again, you can prevent that going forward. Um, number seven, uh, drops. And I'm talking about eardrops and eye drops. So this is huge and can really cause uh, some, some issue with regards to safety because as we know, eye drops are sterile, eardrops are not. So that's why a lot of times if there's a shortage on eardrops but eye drops are available, the doctor will prescribe eye drops to be used in the ear. That is totally okay as long as that's communicated to the patient, the doctor, and so forth, following protocol. But you can't go the other way because eardrops are not sterile. So that's why it's really important to ensure that the directions and the medication are correct, especially in this case. Um, one mistake I caught years ago uh, was Cipradex, which is a brand name eardrop. However, the directions that were typed in by the technician inadvertently said to place in the eye. So I caught this, thank goodness, because if the patient got that, it would have been put in the eye. It's not sterile. That could have led to an infection. You know, who knows what could have transpired from that. This is something that is unfortunately very common um, with uh, quick pick SIG codes and maybe just being unfamiliar with the medication. So always be sure that if it's an eyedrop, it's an eyedrop. If it's an eardrop, it's an eardrop. Um, the other thing is d differentiating between solution and suspension. They are different, might be a little intricate, but it does matter. So one medication that comes to mind is uh, neomycin, polymyxin, and hydrocortisone. That comes both as the suspension and the solution form of the medication. So if it's intended for the solution, 
make sure it's that and not switched for the suspension unless you communicate that and document it on the prescription with the prescriber. So just be sure with eye drops and ear drops, always double, triple check to make sure the directions match the intended medication so that there's no miscommunication or confusion communicating that to the patient to ensure optimal safety. Uh, number eight, a mistake, is Lovenox or any boxed injections. Um, that includes like EpiPens. And the reason I want to make sure you double check this is regards to the expiration date. Always check the expiration date, guys. Always, always, always. Because there's nothing, nothing worse. This hasn't happened, but just imagine if someone that just got out of the hospital got an oxaparin and it was an odd strength that was sitting on the shelf. It got overlooked and it was expired. Just imagine it could be catastrophic. So any sort of injection that has, that's in the package, any package medication that you put the label on, always double check the expiration date. Um, another thing is if you have to open the box of anoxaparin, and let's say it's an odd quantity because anoxaparin is given in like 10 day boxes. So let's say it's 12 days or something like that. Always make sure that all the, the, the syringes of Lovenox are the same strength. Um, I've caught one, twice actually, um, where it was an order like this. And upon checking the medication, there was, you know, the, the whole box for 10 days that was, let's say one strength, but then in the baggie for the extra days, there was a different strength. So always make sure that everything's consistent as prescribed as intended for the patient, uh, according to the prescription by the physician. Uh, the ninth mistake is single-use medications. So dovetailing this uh, into from the last point is you have to individually verify each of those to make sure that they're the correct dose and formulation. Um, for example, uh, looking at rizotriptan or any of the migraine medications that come in blister packs, okay? Uh, Zofran, uh, ODT, another example, on Dancitron. Make sure that they're all the same strength and formulation. Um, going back to rizotriptan, are they all rizotriptan or are some rizotriptan MLT? They look very similar. They're in blister packages. So just be really diligent to ensure that everything in that order is the same. So single use. So blister packed, that's how it comes from the manufacturer. Be sure that everything in that order is exactly as prescribed. Um, I gave the example of Zofran, the four milligrams versus the eight. Again, they're all in blister packs, so from a distance they look the same, but be sure to look on the writing on that blister pack that it is the intended medication and strength and dosage form. Always be diligent in any of those single-use type medications to ensure safety and that the right medication is getting to the right patient. I don't have time to work out. Eating healthy is not possible as a pharmacist. There's so many things to juggle. I just feel so stressed out. I can barely even keep it together. Guys, if this is you, I totally understand. I have been practicing pharmacist full-time for over seven years. I've been through the hurdles, living through the trenches, and through my time with that, have developed simple solutions to help empower you to not only fit in fitness, but nail your nutrition and master your mindset, empowering you to lead by example through living a healthy lifestyle. I put all these solutions in an easy-to-read, applicable, and simple guide for you to read in my new book, RxU, The Pharmacist's Guide for Managing Stress and Fitting in Fitness. If you haven't gotten your copy, check the show notes for a link so that you can get yours today and get started to dispense your full potential. Number 10, 
this guy's kind of boggles my mind and kind of made me do like a double take when I first caught this. And uh, number 10 uh, mistake is stock bottle variances. This is kind of crazy. So you, you think that, you know, most medication bottles come in like a 90 count or a hundred count, but a lot of times it differs, even if it's like the same medication from the same manufacturer. So they make different quantities, but the bottles look the same. And you, the only way to tell is to look on the bottle, you know, 30 capsules, 60 capsules or whatnot, because the technician or whoever's grabbing the medication to fill the order, if they put the prescription label on the stock bottle, thinking that it's 90, but it's only 30, that can in impact compliance and also customer satisfaction for that patient. So always be diligent in making sure that you check those stock bottle variances. Um, some uh, examples that I, I found in the past is uh, Lamotrigine. Uh, so the 150 milligrams and the 200 milligrams vary because the stock bottles have 60, but the 25 milligram and 100 milligram have 100. So the same medication, same manufacturer, but depending on the strength, the stock bottle quantity differs because again, it's intended for how that medication is most commonly used to improve the ease of dispensing. But just be cautious, don't assume any time Anytime when you're pulling stock medication, always be diligent and double check that the quantity intended is also the quantity prescribed and dispensed to that patient. Number 11, guys, this is huge because it has to do with kids, pediatrics. Number 11 mistake is reconstitution nuances. So this has to do uh, most commonly with reconstitutable antibiotics. So like amoxyl, Augmentin, Ceftonir, things like that. Um, and with this, you really need to know how that's supposed to be counseled to the patient. I always make it a point, regardless of how busy I am at the pharmacy, because we're pretty busy. We do between five and 600 scripts on a Monday and between four and 500 during the week. Uh, over 200 on weekends. So we're, we're no, we're no, and that's, we get one hour of overlap a week, uh, for pharmacists. So I, we, we ain't slow. So, Regardless of that, make sure that this is a big point, counseling on that medication. So Augmentin, for example, that needs to be refrigerated, needs to be taken with food to prevent stomach upset. However, if you have Ceftonir, glass bottle, be extra careful, and you do not want to refrigerate that because it'll make it too thick and won't be able to be administered to the child. So those are little things that can make a big difference in improving compliance and also effectiveness of the medication. Now, another caveat is the duration that the medication is suitable once it's reconstituted. Now, sometimes children need to be on longer terms of antibiotics, 14 days, three weeks, whatever. Some medications though are only viable, they're only good for 10 days once they're mixed, but the duration of therapy is 14. So if you give them all of that medication at one time, that will be expired no good and they're gonna be taking bad medication for four days. See what I mean? So always double check. Um, it's right on the bottle, so just double check if you're not sure, but double check that the medication is going to be good once it's reconstituted for the duration of therapy. Um, one trick that you can do, again, always check with your pharmacy's policy and procedures on how to best do this, but what I uh, do and have found 
is if a medication is uh, only good for 10 days, but it's for a 14-day supply, I fill the entire order for the 14 days and I cut it in half. So let's say that uh, one bottle lasts seven days. So it's a 14-day course of treatment, so two bottles, but once mixed, they're only good for 10 days. I split it in half. They pay for that order and they are instructed, you know, come back in seven days for the second order. Just explain to them it's only good for 10 days, but your doctor needs the child, your child to take this for 14. It's not good if I give it all to you. You won't have to pay again. It'll just be here set aside so that you can continue that therapy. So that's one option to do it. Again, check your policies and procedures at your pharmacy, but just something to look at with reconstitutable medications. Make sure that the duration of therapy coincides and aligns with how good that medication is. Um, like a lot of times we'll say discard after 10 days, 14 days, make sure there's no disagreement with those. And if so, take steps to ensure that that's communicated to the patient. And also the prescription order is filled appropriately with regards to those specifications. Number 12, guys, we've got two more. The 12th biggest mistake to avoid is not leading by example. I will never forget when I was an intern, um, there was a, a new pharmacist who was very excited to be a PharmD. However, that got to his head a lot. Um, we had a drive-through and we we're really busy and I was an intern at the time. And the pharmacist who was training the previous intern who's now a pharmacist, so he's a new grad, um, asked him, can you please get the drive-through? And he said, I'm the pharmacist, I don't get the drive-through. Now, I wasn't a tech, I was an intern, but that just made me think like, what? Like, imagine the level of respect that is gone from all the technicians when you have an attitude like that, that you're superior, that you're better, that you didn't, you didn't go to school to do this and things like that. Guys, wake up, drop the ego. If you have one, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because if you're conducting yourself with that kind of attitude and behavior, I have a secret. Your techs don't respect you. So Literally, lead by example. If you want them to get the drive-through, get the drive-through. If you want waiting on customers to be a priority, lead that by example. If you want the phone to be picked up by the third ring, do that yourself so they can see you're serious. Oh, he's doing it, so I must. You've heard that phrase, you're the sum of the five people you spend your most time with. It's literally because you have to level up and meet their standard. So if you are the pharmacist, you are the leader of your team. You need to be setting the standard of what the behaviors are, what the expectations are, how you're going to wait on patients, the level of professionalism where that is going to go in your workflow, you must do that yourself because if you tell your text to do something and you yourself don't do it, guess what's not gonna happen? Exactly. Uh, another thing is taking out the trash. Like if the trash gets too full, don't be too good to do something. Lead by example. I love doing the trash. Um, I started my pharmacy career as a tech, then intern, then pharmacist. So that's just what I'm trained to do. Um, you can ask my techs. I'm super into filling the vials and making sure everything's stocked and ready to go. So that's like my thing. I enjoy that. Um, so if I ever need it filled, they do it automatically because they see I do it. They see it's a standard. They see it's important. So when, when you, the leader, perform those acts, that's going to inspire and encourage and set the standard that this is the norm and this is what is expected. I do it, so you need to as well. Very simple concept. 
But I, again, I know you've got a lot on your plate. I know you've got a lot going on, but think of how much better your day will go if your texts respect you because they see you leading by example and carrying out what you expect them to do too. Huge concept. I really want to drive that one home. And guys, number 13, this one is not taught too much, but it's so true. The last mistake made by new graduate pharmacists can be a career killer because it will haunt you for days, weeks, months, maybe even years if you do not do this. The 13th mistake is not listening to your intuition. And guys, you know what I'm talking about. If you just had this feeling like this itch, like maybe I should double check that. I knew I checked it, but I, I just have this feeling. You know what I mean? I just had this feeling like there was something not right. I need to double check it. Or you were checking a prescription and it was good, but you just had this feeling and you wanted to just double check it to be sure. Imagine if you let that go and you get a call a couple hours later because the medication looks different and it wasn't just a different manufacturer or there's a pill in there that doesn't look right or you bagged the bottle in the wrong patient's bag. So now you've got a, a HIPAA. PHI form to disclose, right? And you're going to kick yourself, not just for the safety concern and, you know, obviously being concerned for the patient, but you had the feeling to act and second check it. You had the opportunity and you let that go by. Imagine that. And especially if it becomes like a really big detrimental thing, God forbid, but that can happen. So guys, if you get that intuition, if you get that feeling like something's not right, I want to double check. I know I checked it, but I just want to double check the name and date of birth. I just want to double check that all the pills are right. Maybe there's multiple vials and you want to make sure. Do it. It's worth the peace of mind because if you have that little doubt eating away at you and it turns out to be something that does happen, guys, that is so regretful and you do not want to live your career that way. So that's my challenge. If you have that little voice, if you have that feeling to double check or make a phone call to the doctor, uh, maybe it's a common uh, side effect or interaction uh, with checking medications, but you just have this feeling to double check, do it. Do it, do it, do it. It's worth the extra call. It's worth the minute, the two minutes for the patient's safety, for your peace of mind. Always put the safety first, guys. When you do that, you cannot go wrong. Always put the safety first. So guys, that's it. This is my list of the 13 most common preventable mistakes made by new graduate pharmacists that you can prevent and avoid in your own practice. If you found these tips helpful, I have created all of them in a free ebook that you can get and share with your colleagues, your graduates in your class, and your interns. Maybe you're a preceptor listening to this. Maybe you are a new pharmacist and you're a, uh, you're, you have other colleagues that are graduated with you. I want to, My purpose for this is to help prevent mistakes, to really help push patient safety, because these are things that can be prevented. There are things that um, are, it's just an awareness type issue. So I think if we get the word out about this, I think that can really make a big impact in the patients we serve and our quality of life as pharmacists so that we can hold ourselves to that high standard. So if you found this information helpful, please share this episode. I also, again, wrote an ebook. There's a link in the show notes so you can get that. It's free, totally free, no charge to you whatsoever. The whole point of this is sharing that information so that it gets to you, the future pharmacist or currently practicing pharmacist or preceptor teaching pharmacist, so that these errors can be made aware so that you don't make them, your patients don't have to deal with them, and you can be the fit pharmacist in your own practice. 
Guys, thank you so much for watching, for listening. This is Dr. Adam Martin with the Fit Pharmacist Health Care Podcast. Go forth, be great, and dispense your full potential. Be awesome. All right, Fit Farm fam. Until next time, I am out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show. If you are new to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Your time is invaluable, and I sincerely appreciate you sharing it here. Most importantly, hit that subscribe button so you get a fresh new podcast episode every single week. Also, please leave a rating and review for the show. I sincerely hope that you got at least one golden nugget of knowledge from this episode. If you did, please share this with one person who you can help dispense their full potential. That is how this community will grow organically. I don't ask for anything in return, so thank you for your action of support. 